hope you can say that. And I hope this time in the Word this week has helped you to know how sovereign the Lord is because that's one of the themes of Joseph's story. Why don't you take a seat and we're going to get in the Word together again tonight. God's been doing some amazing work in our lives this week through His Word. He is sovereign in all things and He never leaves us. And I'm so thankful for the worship team just leading us and doing the things that they have done. There's been so many people this week who have worked so hard for months and months and months. And I just want to give a big shout out to our women's ministry team and all the people that served and a lot of volunteers like our worship team and all of that. Because, um, you know, we are a parachurch ministry. I don't know if you know that term or not, but, you know, we are not a church. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder why God called us to do it this way, but I know for sure that he did. And so, you know, we're doing this like this, or we have been, at least this is the way he's had us do it so far. And so we realize that most of the people that come to serve with us, they're already serving in their own churches. And so then this is an extra thing. And so, you know, that presents some challenges sometimes. So when people, you see people serving with us, they got destiny in mind, and, and we're going to be talking about, about destiny tonight, and you know, uh, I love this week how we've talked about Joseph's story, and I love how God chose to put Joseph's story in the Bible, you know? I mean, you've listened to maybe, you'll probably by the time you leave here this week, you'll have heard 12 different stories of women up here, you know, but we could have picked so many of you, because all of us have a story, and we've really prayed that we would feel like this is a we, and this is not something you're watching out there, but you're part of this. You're getting to tell your stories, too, and in, in different ways. But, you know, God chose Joseph's story to put it in the Bible, and, you know, it has had such implication and effect, and it's spoken to people for centuries. He knew the power of Joseph's story. He knows the power of every story. And one of the things that I marvel with about God is how much he accomplishes with just one move of his hand or, or one step of his foot or, or one gesture of his heart's kindness. All kinds of things happen because when God moves, he's doing a hundred beautiful things or more. At one time, he can multitask big time, and, and it just ripples down for centuries, maybe even forever. And here's the thing. When I choose or you choose to join my life with him, then I get all wrapped up in that kind of powerful movement. And that's exactly what destiny is all about, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight. God definitely has a destiny in mind for every one of his children. And we've talked this week about the gospel and how important it is to make a decision for Jesus because that's how you become his child. And things get opened up in the heart of God out of heaven over you, his dreams his work in your life, sometimes through disasters. And we talked about that last night. If you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to the podcast because God has a lot to say to us about the hurts and the things that are going on in our lives. But he's got destiny in mind for us. And you know, destiny, with destiny, we have to decide. We've been talking about this this week too. Am I gonna grow my own life or am I gonna grow with a growth that comes from God? Because destiny is not about luck, and it's not about good fortune. It's not just some inevitable course of events that are going to fall out of heaven and land on you, and you got lucky for destiny and have this amazing life that's just been kind of handed to you. It's not going to happen to you outside of your will. It's in the heart of God, but destiny is all about our life leaning into the divine life of God and our life beginning to move in step with his life. And, and this week, 
You know if you've been here, we've been talking about that decision, and we've seen Joseph. He chose the growth that comes from God, hasn't he? And all kinds of things have happened. And what a destiny story it is. We talked about dreams on Monday night. God gave that boy crazy dreams to believe in of what he was speaking over his life. And last night, we certainly identified with him in some ways as we saw one disaster after another threaten those dreams. But last night, we also talked about Joseph leaning into the destiny that God had for him. And it's a destiny dance it's still creating movement today. You think about it, all the way here in 2015, the lives and the hearts that have been touched, even this week as we talk about his story. You know, that could be your story if the world lasts that long. Years later, your life can be having ripple effects through the story. The Bible says um, through someone's story or, or the blood of the lamb. That, that's how we overcome. Because stories are powerful, powerful things, and that's what destiny does. Destiny impacts the world with the glory of God. As you or I join our very natural lives with the God of heaven, the sovereign God of heaven, our lives literally become a dance with him. Now, the idea of destiny, do you like the way that word sounds? You know, it just, it's some people even name their children that. I, I used to teach school, and I had a student named Destiny. I mean, it's just a good-sounding word, and I love the sound of the word destiny. But when God began to put this thought process in my mind about dancing with destiny, I was like, I don't know about that, God, because I haven't had, personally, the greatest experiences with dancing. I mean, I'll dance at weddings or a party, or, you know, something like that, but, but I'm not a real dancer. And, and so I could tell you quite a few stories, but I'm going to tell you two um, that, that kind of have made me kind of just go, hmm, God, I don't know what I feel about, like, dancing, like, with destiny. I like destiny, but I don't know about dancing with it. So first of all, uh, several years ago, my husband and I were on a cruise, and this is a picture of my husband. Some of you might have met him out there. He's a great guy. His name is Marvin Thomas. He's here tonight somewhere, I think way back in the back. But Marvin actually works in our ministry. He is the director of our men's ministry and Bridges Mission. We build bridges in Haiti and do all kinds of men's ministry here, and he's been doing that for about three years now. We've been married, um, just, just celebrated our 28th anniversary, but we were on a cruise. Um, I know. I, actually, when I was going over my message, I said we've been married about 28 years, and I thought, no, nothing about it. We've been married a full 28 years. I mean, every day counts, right? Actually, 28 years in a couple months, I think. So, um, but great man, great man of God, and I am so blessed to have an amazing husband. But we went on this cruise several years ago, and he decided he wanted us to take dancing lessons on this cruise. And uh, I, I said, okay, I'll go with you to do it. Now, I really just wanted to be laying in the sun, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go to the dancing lessons with you. But I learned that week that I have a hard time being led because if he wanted me to twirl around and I didn't want to twirl, like we had issues. Or if he wanted me to step this way, but I was thinking about stepping that way, we had issues. <laughs> and so we would have issues on this cruise. And so I realized that... Um, that that's probably an issue that I have is I, I don't really like to be led. Now, is there anybody out there like me in that? I, I thought I could tell that and feel safe because I know that women can be like that. So, but secondly, this, this thing about dancing, um, this is kind of silly, but I'm going to tell you anyway. When my daughter was a little girl, she used to take dancing lessons, and her first, uh, first recital, you know, it was a big deal, and she was so cute. I mean, she was so precious. But, you know, when you go to a recital, it's not just your daughter's class. You get to watch everybody. 
Well, there was this group of women that, I guess it was a women's dancing class, and I got kind of traumatized by the whole thing, because I wasn't even expecting that. I thought we were just going to go and see little kids. But the impression that I got was it was about, maybe the women were like in their mid-30s, and, and kind of like they wanted to take dancing lessons maybe when they were really little, but they didn't get the chance, and so they were kind of trying to redeem it. And they had these like blue feather dresses on, and they all had these big, I mean like really big blue feathers on the top of their heads, and they would like butt across the stage, and things were jiggling, and the feathers were flying, and it was awful. And everybody was laughing, but they were trying not to laugh. And my in-laws are deaf, and they were actually visiting us from out of town, and my father-in-law was laughing really loud, but he didn't realize it. And so that was just really awkward. And I just felt so bad for these women. I was like, somebody tell them how bad they look. And I remember looking at my husband, and I said, don't ever let me do that. <laughs> because, see, dancing requires that you're vulnerable in front of people, and people watch you and, and look at you and all of that kind of stuff. And so as God began speaking to me about destiny, I realized if I'm going to dance with God into destiny, then my heart's got to be vulnerable, and I'm going to have to be led. And I was having issues with those things, but I also realized, Joseph, that's the kind of heart that he had. So let's go back to his story again tonight. It's been 17 years since the dreams and the disasters started, but as we get to Genesis chapter 41, everything is going to begin to shift because Pharaoh who is the ruler of the land, he has had this dream, but he can't get anybody to interpret it. He actually had the dream two times. He goes to his advisors. He goes to all the spiritual priests in the land. Nobody can help him. Finally, the cupbearer, his cupbearer, remembers that, that there's this guy named Joseph in the prison. I mean, he should have remembered this a long time ago, but he, he forgot for two years, and sometimes we forget when people help us out, and we don't extend that kindness back. But, you know, he forgets, and so he remembers, and he says to Pharaoh, hey, there was this guy down in the jail, and Pharaoh's like, get him up here right now because Pharaoh is desperate. So he calls for Joseph and, and in Genesis 41, we find Joseph is standing before Pharaoh and Pharaoh explains to him what the dilemma is. And then this is how Joseph responds in verse 16. This is what he says. If you can just imagine he's before the throne, all these people are standing there. The whole palace is abuzz because Pharaoh's upset. Nobody's been able to help him. And Joseph says, it is not in me. In other words, I don't have a gift. He says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. This is an incredible dance move, ladies. Because if you can think about this, he has either been a slave or a prison, in prison for 17 years. All the disasters he has faced, waiting on God to do something, and now he's standing before the throne. And you got to understand the environment he was in. This land abounded with a spiritual sensitivity to all kinds of gods. There were temples on every corner. People had their favorite god that they worshipped, and then if that one wasn't working, they'd go over to this one. But more important than that, they believed Pharaoh was a god, and Pharaoh himself 
believed he was a God. And this is what he says to him. He says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. But you need to understand that word God in the Hebrew is the word Elohim. And do you know what it means? It means the God of all gods. In other words, my God trumps your God, and he's the one working through me. So in this moment, Joseph is leaning in and just spinning around with God in this dance, and he is insulting his one opportunity for freedom, maybe for rescue, maybe to move in toward his dreams. See, this dance could have cost him his life, but it doesn't because Pharaoh is so desperate, and God has set all this up. On Joseph's behalf. And so he begins to tell Joseph his dream. And when he's finished, listen to what Joseph says. He says it again. He does another spin move right in front of Pharaoh. He says, now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he is about to do. Again, that same word, Elohim, the God of gods. <laughs> and then Joseph goes on to prophesy about the meaning of this dream. And the meaning of it was that there was going to be seven years of abundance, and then there was going to be seven years of famine. And then in verse 32, he says, Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. In other words, you don't have opportunity to discuss this, to argue it, to think of it any other way, because he is God, he's the only God, and he's going to do it fast. So you better listen, and you better humble yourself before him. That's basically what he's saying to him. So in the next several verses, Joseph's whole life changes. The dreams that God spoke over him when he was just 17 years old began to spin into place. And he moves from being the 11th brother, a nobody, rejected, sold, slave, falsely accused rapist, prisoner to ruler in one day. Turn over with me in Genesis 41 and verse 39. This is Pharaoh's response through all of this. It says, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. Think about what Joseph had heard from his brothers. You stupid boy, dreamer, who do you think you are? You think about the things that they said to him when they were tearing that coat off of him. And now he's being told no one is as discerning and wise as you are. Ladies, that's redemption. And he's being told that in front of the highest ruler in the land, by the highest ruler in the land. In verse 40, it says, You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. He went from slave to ruler in one day. Then it says, then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. I wonder what Joseph's hands looked like that day, how callous they were or dirty. And now the king's ring was being put on his hand, and it says he clothed him in garments of fine linen. He probably was in rags when they pulled him up out of the prison. In fact, that's probably what he had worn for a long time. And then it says he put the gold necklace around his neck. His neck had been shackled a lot of times in chains as a prisoner, for sure. And now he's wearing the king's gold. And he had him ride in his second chariot. And they proclaimed before him, bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Now, I want to say something to you. One of the things you need to understand about this culture, too, when, when you were a slave, if somebody walked in the room... If somebody walked in the room who had more authority than you, you fell on your face like this with your face to the ground 
and you spoke to them this way until they told you to rise. So for 17 years, that's what he had been doing, probably 50 to 100 times a day as a servant. And now all of a sudden, that's going to shift. Can you imagine what that would feel like to him to change all that up and change all of that around? And Pharaoh says, though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Oh my goodness, what God can do in a moment, right? (laughs) What God can do in a moment. The destiny dance. When we let God write our story, when we let God grow us with a growth that comes only from him, who knows what God's going to dance us into? Now there is so much here, and if you've been reading, you know, that happens in Joseph's story. I wish we had time to go into all of it. I just want to say, read your Bibles, ladies, okay? Not lady, ladies, okay? Read your Bibles. Because as much as I wanted to dig into all the details, we we just don't have time. And and I believe we're going to just head where the Lord wants us to head with all of this tonight. But I want to walk you through an overview of what happens. For the next seven years, during this time of abundance, Joseph danced in the wisdom and the favor of God. The Bible says that he stored up so much grain, it was like the sand of the sea. That's how much grain they stored up. And during this time, he also gets married. The Pharaoh gives him a wife. He has two sons, all right? Then he's got all this favor in Egypt. And God had not given the other nations any of this knowledge. So all the nations around them, they're also in this time of abundance, but they have no idea that the famine's coming. But Joseph and Pharaoh knew. So they were taking that abundance and they were storing it up for the famine to come. And this was only the beginning. So what happens after seven years? Well, just like God said, because his word is always true, the famine strikes. Read with me in 4157, the last verse of that chapter. It says, the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Keep reading into 42. It says, now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? And he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. The 10 brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. Now, can you see it coming? And most of you probably already know this story. But see, for 20 years, we haven't heard about these guys other than Judah's problem in chapter 38 you know we haven't heard about the brothers we haven't heard about his father but all of a sudden now they're in the story and that's what destiny does God surprises you with moments that you just don't even see coming in verse 6 it says now Joseph was the ruler of the land he was the one who sold to all the people of the land and Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to them to him with their faces to the ground When God speaks a word of dream over you, you may have to dance with him through disasters you would never, ever choose, but his word will always come to pass, always, without fail. What was the dream that God spoke to Joseph in chapter 37? Your brothers will bow down to you. Well, what are they doing? They're bowing down to him. What a story this is. Only God can write this kind of stuff with all these kinds of twists and turns. But you may say, well, I'm reading this really good novel, but you know what? Your really good novel is fiction. This is real life. (laughs) And God did this. And and, and he did it involving all these lives in different countries and all of this stuff going on. 
Because Joseph let God lead him, and his heart was vulnerable to him, lives all the way down to yours and mine today and even on forever are being affected. The ripple effect when God moves in destiny is amazing. Now, Joseph, he doesn't reveal himself to his brothers right away. He knows it's them. Read with me in verse 7. It says, when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them. So he knows it's them. Think with me what that moment was like. You're standing there. You're handing out grain to people. People are coming from different nations, so it's not just Egyptians there. So people probably looking like his brothers. Other Hebrews are coming in too. You know how sometimes you see somebody, maybe even this week you've, you've seen somebody you haven't seen in a long time, and you catch their profile or something, and you're like, I know you. I wonder what it was like that morning when maybe he caught the profile of one of his brothers that he hadn't seen in 20 years. Or the way their mouth moved or something. And you know how that'll start your mind going? And then he sees another one and another one. Can you imagine the things that were rising up in his heart? Oh, my goodness. But they don't know it's him. Verse 8, Joseph recognized his brothers, although they didn't recognize him. You know, all kinds of drama is going to take place. Trips back and forth to Egypt. All kinds of things before his brothers really come face to face with destiny, too. We don't have time to go into all the details, but turn with me to chapter 45, and we're going to read together when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. It says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His first question. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. I bet they were dismayed. <laughs> I'd like to be there and watch their faces too, wouldn't you? Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. They were probably doing this, right? And he's saying, come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Ladies, this is such a moment where you could grow in the natural or you can grow with a growth that comes from God, where you can choose to dance your own dance or you can choose to dance into a moment of destiny. And Joseph is such a great example for us because he says, And now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his household and the ruler over all the land of Egypt. Oh, my goodness, is the glory of God not all over that. The sovereign hand of our God is all over Joseph. He's moving him and in him and, and through him and spinning him around and, and creating glory right before his brothers that he should be like condemning to death. What glory is there? What a picture of Jesus Christ. And see, against its backdrop, I believe God wants to talk to us about revealing his sovereign hand in our lives. 
as we too dance with him through all these things, what can those moments of destiny look like? You know, on Monday night, we talked about those two kinds of growth, the natural growth, the growth that comes from God. And we've been mentioning them all week. Every person's going to grow. We're living beings. We, we found that in Colossians 2.19, where it talks about people that grow with a growth that comes from God. But the question is, what kind of growth are you going to grow with? Because there are two kinds of growth. See, in natural growth, you're going to just live your life. You're going to have some high moments. You're going to have some low moments. You, you're probably going to accomplish some good things. You, you might have a sense of control and independence and, and privilege. You might have some pleasure. You might even be a church-going religious person living a very natural life. But at the end of the day, you really just danced your own dance, and you invited some people to dance with you. You might have even danced a dance or two with God, but you're really just growing in your own natural way. But see, destiny is very different. It's dancing with God and you never leave the dance floor. You, you don't let go. You surrender everything you have to him. And that surrender leads your mindset, your choices, your emotions, your speech, your responses, all the big things, all the little things. That surrender makes you very vulnerable. So you hold on with everything you have to your dancing partner because you don't even know where you're going or who's looking at you or anything. But you know that your dancing partner is God. And on any given day, as he leans you in to what he's doing and you lean into him as your dancing partner, he is going to dance you into destiny moments, two very different kinds of living. Right, ladies? So understanding that, let's talk about destiny and how it really works itself into our lives. See, destiny is much bigger than effort. God is always working. That, that's a phrase, that's a truth from God's word you need to say to yourself over and over again. God is always working. Destiny is not about human effort. It is about human cooperation with a sovereign God. There are so many moments in Joseph's life where it seemed like God wasn't working at all. Like God had forgotten him, but that was so not true. I mean, just one of these things. Look at this. Joseph was in a prison pit. He had no idea that God was over in the palace giving Pharaoh dreams, not just one time, but two times. He had no idea that God was not letting any of these priests or advisors use their magic to interpret those dreams. God was doing all kinds of work over in the palace while Joseph was sitting in the pit thinking maybe that he was all forgotten, but I don't think that's what he thought. But I can tell you that's probably what I would have been thinking. I don't know about you. But as we look behind the scenes, we see God was doing like amazing work setting this thing up. And he's always working. I wonder what kind of work he's doing behind the scenes that you and I can't see even tonight. Maybe through dreams, moving puzzle pieces here and there, working his sovereign plan. We've just got to keep dancing and know God's working. He's always doing things, doing things outside of our comfort, doing things out of, outside of our effort and our plans and our awareness. He does things outside of our cuteness, <laughs> our manipulative ways. <laughs> he does things out of our financial portfolio and our connections and our college degree. See, we try to dance with all those kinds of things. We try to live in the right neighborhood because we got to position ourselves or do this or that, you know, because we, we got to make our life so good. And God's like, I'm working. Just, just let me work. Let me work. We want to manipulate and control, but God just wants us to dance with him and let him lead us. 
If we want to dance into destiny with God, we've got to understand you cannot micromanage your life. You cannot micromanage the people's lives around you. You've got to give up control. And ladies, I am preaching to myself because I don't like to be led a lot of times. You can't micromanage if you're going to dance into destiny moments with God. One of the ways, just one of the ways you can dance with God is through prayer. When you came in tonight, there were some prayer cards on your chairs. These are a gift to you from Family Life Ministry. Many of you have visited their table out in the lobby, and we do some partnership work with them. We're so thankful to have them here with us this week. And, and you know, we are all about the Word of God. And so when they said, hey, do you want us to give you these prayer cards to share with the women that come to a Bible study? We're like, yes, for sure, because we, we love to encourage people to pray the Word. In fact, on Monday nights when we pray together here, Nicole invited you to come and join us for that. We try to pray Scripture. You know, that's the language of God that's speaking with him and so you know for women a lot of times we one of the one of the biggest places that we try to control is our family's lives right we try to control our husbands we try to control our kids and and if we would just do a prayer dance with God a lot of times we would be letting him lead but instead we're over here trying to micromanage now I know a lot of you girls out there you're either single or you're, you're younger and you haven't chosen to get married yet, hopefully, and, um, and wait, please. Um, you could have a good, godly man like I got, but please wait till it's right and God's choice for you. Um, I'm so thankful that God took care of me in that way because I could have made a very bad choice, and that's a story for another day. But you could probably set those prayer cards aside and say, huh, I'm not married yet. I don't have any kids. No. You need to take those things and start dancing right now into your destiny. Pray over those kids that haven't been born yet. If you're struggling through infertility, pray over those kids that you don't have yet. Pray over that husband that you want. That's the best way to be just leaning into God and letting him work out that destiny moment. And he works in you and gets you ready to receive those moments too. It's so good to surrender and just lean in and let God work. Now, Jesus said this in the New Testament. He said, my father is always working, and I myself am always working. You need to know that truth in your heart. When you feel like God is not doing anything on your behalf, he's always working. Now, that doesn't mean you just sit back and say, well, when God works it out, I guess that'll be all right. You know, most of the times that I've done any dancing, I'm usually out of breath. When you dance, there's effort. Sometimes God is going to spin you around and send you out on the dance floor by yourself and watch and cheer you on from the side because he did it. And you're going to be totally out of breath. I'll tell you, I am, I am so tired right now because we have been dancing all week with God and like not getting hardly any sleep and getting this thing done for this week. But it, it's awesome. But, but there's effort. But it's a leaning in effort as God leads. It's not taking the reins and doing it yourself and micromanaging it. You know, I know some of us tonight, and I was this way for so long, and I still work through moments of this sometimes. We don't even know how to let God lead. And I want to tell you, that's why as a ministry, we do what we do. Because I know I was a woman at one time who did not know God's word. I was in church all the time. I loved God. I loved the people of God. But I did not know God's word. And because of that, I didn't know the language that he spoke. So I couldn't hear him when he was trying to lead me. Praise God, he rescued me. 
That's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing today because I see women in the church who love God and they want to have victory in their life. They want more than just the common natural life, but they don't know how to find it. And usually the root of that is not knowing the word of God. So as a ministry, we try to come alongside women's ministries and churches and individual women and just say, rah, 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 love the word of God. We are a voice that will not be quiet. This is where you're going to find your life and your freedom and the growth that comes from him. You're going to find the voice of God. So if you don't know how to grow with the growth that comes from God, let us know and we'll help you. But be willing to get in the dance and know you're going to have to get out of breath sometimes if you want to learn how to grow with the growth that comes from God. All right, let's go on to the next one because I can preach that for a long time. So destiny is bigger than your view of God's dream. When God gives us a dream, ladies, he's not going to usually give you the panoramic view from year to year to let you see the whole thing and understand it all. For instance, when he gave Joseph the dream, he only gave him two little symbolic pieces that could have been interpreted many different ways. Joseph had a very limited view of what God was up to, and you and I most of the time do too. What was Joseph's understanding at first? The dream meant he was going to get to be the leader in his family. He saw himself getting the privileges of the firstborn probably. He had no concept that God was going to use him to feed the world. There was a reason why the first dream was grain. Have you put that together? Took me a long time to figure that out. See, he's handing out grain to his brothers when they bow down to him. It's shafts of wheat, you know, and all of that. You're putting that together? I didn't see that for a, for a long, long time. He had no concept at all that he would live and rule in another land. He was thinking it was just about his family. He was going to be living in another land. And the false gods of that land... This is the second dream God gave him, the sun, the moon, and the stars, because those were gods in the land of Egypt. They bowed down to him because he said, the God of gods, and they all couldn't help the Pharaoh, and they all bowed to him as God showed off and did his thing, a destiny moment. But Joseph didn't understand any of that at the beginning. It was just all about this little family, right? For many years, he didn't see any of that coming. But as he danced with God, God slowly began to peel it back and let him experience it. Sometimes he was probably right in the moment, like when his brothers were bowing down to him and he's handing him grain and he's thinking, shafts of wheat, here I am. And they're bowing down to me and my shaft's bigger because I'm the one that's got the stuff. And I mean, he's probably like, oh my goodness. You know, probably a lot of times we don't even realize what it is until we're right in the moment and God's just going, I love this stuff. You know, when, when, we, when we experience it, right? So we got to surrender ourselves to the Lord, his dreams, let him develop them and let them look the way he wants them to look because God has a plan in mind and it's probably way bigger than what you're thinking about. Now be careful though because just because we say bigger doesn't mean you're going to be like feeding the world's famine on a, on a global scale, okay? It might just be that you're going to feed your family at dinner time with a sweet attitude because that's a really big deal. It really is sometimes. And sometimes that is definitely a growth that comes from God when you've had a bad day and you don't feel like cooking and everybody's complaining and you serve with a sweet attitude. That is a growth that comes from God. Just try it sometime and see how hard it, it can be, okay? All you people that want babies out there, no, they complain sometimes, you know, all that kind of stuff. See, when God puts joy in you or self-control in you, we as women know that. I hear women all the time say, I have no self-control. Yes, you do. That's the Holy Spirit in you. And if you'll lean into that dance, God will twirl you around in some self-control. It will hurt. It's very uncomfortable. But it's beautiful 
in those destiny moments when God shows off in your life. The other day, I read a blog titled something like, Seven Things I Will Never Say to My Children. Well, of course, you know I had to read it because I said I probably said all of them. Um, so, because hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I wanted to see what she had to say. But one of the things she said was, I will not say to my kids, God wants to do big things in your life. Now, you might go, oh, that's awful. Because we all say that, right? God wants to do big things in your life. I mean, that's the number one thing you write in a graduation card, right? I know God's going to do big things in your life. But see, this well-meaning mama had heard that all her life. And she realized she was missing all the moments of destiny in the day-to-day as God was moving through her and dancing. She was dancing with him because she was looking for that big global impact moment she was going to have. God was doing big things through her all the time, and she didn't want her kids to miss that. So that's where that came from in her heart. But any time the God of heaven asks my little life, can I have this dance? It's a big, big deal. And he wants to do things bigger than I realize the impact they will have. See, for Joseph, it wasn't just about this moment that we just read about. I'm sure there are a lot of destiny moments we haven't even really looked at that aren't even shown here in the Bible. Destiny moments he had with Potiphar and with the cupbearer and the baker and the jailer and all the other, you know, slaves that he met as he talked about his God and, and leaned into him while they were leaning into false gods. There's so much that God works along the way. It's a dancing every day and every single step matters. But consider this about destiny too because destiny is way bigger than your life. It's way bigger than just your life. When God speaks a word of dream over us, we tend to see that dream from our own perspective. What's this going to mean for me? Will I like this? What am I going to get out of this? Will this fulfill the desires of my heart? Is this in line with what I want to do with my life? And you know, God is so good. The dreams that he has in mind for us will fit us perfectly. We may not see that at first, but they will because he knows He knows us better than we know ourselves. But destiny is bigger than we are. It's bigger than our preferences. It's bigger than our past or what we're viewing the future or wanting the future to be. It's bigger than our life. It's bigger than our family. I heard somebody say one time, it's bigger than me and mine. Because we can get so self-absorbed, can't we? We can get so self-absorbed. And see, I believe this is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like to dance with God. Because destiny will stretch you to see way beyond yourself, to see beyond yourself and live beyond yourself and serve beyond yourself. In fact, if you stick with God long enough through the disaster stuff, God's going to use that time in the pit to transform you to live beyond yourself in ways you never dreamed possible. You know, I mentioned a minute ago about my husband. Um, We build these bridges in Haiti now. Let me tell you, I never in a million years thought about doing that, ever. And it has challenged us to live way beyond ourselves to to build these bridges. You know, God will do things like that as we're in the pit sometimes. He'll change our hearts. He will enlarge our hearts. That's a whole other teaching for another day. But you know, God will work through us in those disaster moments to change our mindset. You know, when Joseph first heard of the dream and then relate it to his brothers, at first, it really does sound like it's all about himself. You're going to bow down to me. The sun, moon, and stars, they're all going to bow down to me. But as he continued to lean into God, even through his disaster moments, do you see the mind change? 
I mean, we read about it a minute ago in chapter 45, but really kind of the key verse of Joseph's story, if there's like a signature verse for it, is found in Genesis 50, 20. And he really repeats what he said in chapter 45. They were probably too awestruck and didn't even really hear him, so he's repeating it to him again. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. In other words, you meant evil, but God was doing a good thing, and I chose to lean in and let him use me to do it. You talk about destiny being bigger than yourself. You talk about a growth that comes from God. No vengeance. Servant's heart. Only God grows that kind of stuff, ladies. That kind of humility where your life was stolen from you for 20 years. I mean, we have a hard time forgiving when somebody offends us one time. His life was stolen for 20 years. He's not bitter. Instead, he's thankful and he's worshipful. He's willing to serve them. That kind of destiny is such a picture of Jesus and what Jesus would one day do for us. Think about how he fed us in our spiritual famine with himself, the bread of life. He broke himself open for us. We didn't deserve that. Think about how he offered salvation to his brothers who tried to kill him. And I say tried, even though they did put him in the grave, he resurrected, right? That's the song we were singing a moment ago about we rise because he rose, right? And we live in that destiny. God danced with Joseph for 20 years, transforming him to see his dream was not so much about him having people bow down to him but about God positioning him into a place where he could bow down and serve them. That's what destiny looks like. Even when people hurt you, just like Jesus, Joseph was representing Jesus before Jesus even came. And we're called, ladies, to that same kind of destiny. Do you see how this dream was so much bigger than Joseph and what it was going to mean just for him and his family? The same is true for us. I want you to meet some, some different people here, um, you know, because we've got to let God dance us beyond ourselves. And I want to tell a few stories of some women who really have let God do that. This is Katie, a picture of a girl named Katie. And God invited Katie to dance with him in her younger years. And there's been a lot of twists and turns in her story, but she truly learned of God's faithfulness in her journey toward motherhood as she dealt with infertility. In his faithfulness, she didn't let go of God. She just kept leaning in and found that God was enough. And he's done a lot of work in transforming in her, growing her in her marriage with her husband, growing both of them as, as, as in their own discipleship with Jesus, ministry opportunities. And in the last year and a half, he's blessed her with three children by adoption. And she's come face to face, I love this picture, with with destiny moments every day as she homeschools them now and she's pouring her life into these precious kids being their mama. It's a different dance than she would have ever thought of for her and her husband, but it's a better one, she says. It's full of destiny. I want to introduce you to Stephanie as well. God invited Stephanie to dance with him in her early college years. After she was saved, she danced with him for a time, and then she started twirling off on her own paths of partying and a lot of sexual immorality. And years later, she found that the hand of her Savior was still really reached out to her, and she took it, and she hasn't let go. She leaned in, and she allowed God to weave a beautiful dance of destiny from the broken ashes of the sins of her youth. 
God's steps have led her into outreach into strip clubs. She writes and teaches training programs for human trafficking workers with the Virginia Beach Justice Initiative. She's writing and teaching a Bible study for our cherished ministry team workers. And he's dancing her into more destiny as she's dreaming and planning for opening up a home for girls who have been sexually trafficked. I get chills when I think about the redemption and the destiny all over her story. Yeah, these are amazing, beautiful things, just as beautiful as Joseph's story, because the ripple effects are going to go on forever. This is Barb. This is sweet Barb. I love this woman. She's been a partner of Established Footsteps for many years, and, and she just has the joy of the Lord all over her. She loves deeply and without reserve. It's part of her destiny. She just goes about day after day, just listening to the Lord, who he's going to twirl her into their life so she can just love on them for a bit. I'll never forget one day last fall, our hearts were breaking over something that had happened earlier that morning. And my doorbell rang, and my husband answered the door, and he called me down out of my office, and there was Barb. And she said, the Lord just really spoke to me today. I hadn't seen her in like three months. He said, and he said to come over and just give you a hug. And she wrapped her arms around me, and it was just such a life-giving hug. It's like Jesus was standing in the room hugging me. But see, the interesting thing about Barb is Barb has MS. There are many days that she can't even walk. And it would be so easy for Barb to say, I can't dance. But instead, on those days, she just lets God pick her up, twirl her around, and take her where she needs to go so she can dance into her destiny moments. I love that. It's beautiful, beautiful stories. This is Tiffany. Tiffany's going to share a little bit of her story now with us about how God has danced she and her husband into the destiny of marriage ministry. So watch this with me. My name is Tiffany Godfrey, and I have been married for almost 16 years to my husband, Dexter. And the story is we had a dream. We had a dream of becoming a blessing to others. We had a dream of having success. We were both educated, we had great jobs, and we just knew that we were going to live happily ever after. But reality set in, life hit, and it was a disaster. We were hit with foreclosure, we were hit with car repossession, we were hit with my husband's pornography addiction. And because of that, I lost faith in God, I lost faith in my husband, and I really didn't even know if we were going to make it. But as we started to pick up the broken pieces of our marriage from the disaster, as we started to seek God first and try to understand all of this stuff that was happening to us and why we were going through it and why we were dealing with it the way we were dealing with it, we began to see God reveal his presence. We began to see God reveal purpose in our lives. We began to see our destiny. So we came to understand that everything we had gone through was a setup for what God wanted to do in and through us, through our marriage. So now we're able to help other couples who are going through struggles in their relationships, who don't know if they're going to make it even from day to day. We've been able to influence couples and encourage couples in areas where it's just a major struggle. And when they are down and they're frustrated, we're able to let them know, hey, we have gone through that. And we understand and we know that God is able. So our destiny is to be an influence upon couples, to encourage them, 
to uplift them, but more importantly, to help them to understand the importance of seeking God's face so that he can reveal his presence and his power and ultimately their destiny in him. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Let's give Tiffany a hand. Tiffany's been with us all week. You probably met her out there. And Tiffany and her husband actually work with Family Life Ministry, and they put on a big conference all over the country. Some of you may have been before called Weekend to Remember. My husband and I have been, and we highly recommend it. It's a great, great weekend. We'll do amazing things in your marriage. And Family Life has donated a Weekend to Remember registration. It's a $150 registration for us to give away. And some of you have been signing your name out there when you visited their table. Now, this is a destiny moment right now. I just realized that I was, I was standing there watching the video. Because earlier I said, okay, prayer team leaders, I need somebody that's going to come up here and run this thing to, um, to the winner. And you know who the winner is? It's you. <laughs> and I just, yes. <laughs> it hit me. I thought, I love it. <laughs> that's Marsha Humphrey. And let me tell you, I was trying to remember who was it that said they were going to cut. And I thought, oh, it's Marsha. I love it. I just love it. And you know, Marcia is such a prayer warrior and such a servant. And so, oh my goodness, I just pray that that brings refreshing on you. And I love how God did that. Woo! Yeah. So, if you are interested in that weekend, they do one every year in Williamsburg and Virginia Beach, different dates. There's some brochures out at the, their table in the lobby. They actually have our Established Footsteps code. You can get a little bit of a discount. It's not going to be free like theirs, but you can get a discount just because of our partnership with them. And so we encourage you to do that. And as you register with that, we don't get anything from it, but what it does, every time so many people register, then we get another free one that we can give away and bless somebody else. And so we love that because, you know, marriage is a huge part of life. And, and, and that's such a picture of the gospel and such a picture in our destiny. So we just love that. But, you know, from all these stories, ladies, you can see that destiny is bigger than you are. It's bigger than you are. you got to look beyond yourself. Destiny positions you to serve other people and to see how's God going to show off in your life, and then you're going to get to enjoy it in the process. One more thing, though. Destiny is bigger than this world. How we can get caught up in this moment, this day, this culture, this season, right? I mean, one of the best things somebody ever spoken to my life is, Sharon, you need to see everything in your life against a backdrop of eternity. In that moment, God twirled me around, and, and I had a totally new view of my story. See, so often we are dancing with God maybe, but have you ever seen in a movie sometime where there's this pretty girl and she's dancing with a woman, but then there's something over here that distracts her, and then she's like, I'll be right back, and she runs off, and then he's left on the dance floor. I don't know what movie because I'm not a big movie girl, but I've seen this happen before, and, and then he's like just left there because she never comes back because she gets distracted. And I think a lot of times that's what happens to us too. We're dancing along with God, but we see something in the moment or something right in front of us. We're not looking the distance. And so we run off. We flit off. Maybe our blue feather is even flying, right? And, and we run off. And, and, and we don't come back for a long time. But see, God wants us to just stick it out with him and have that destiny, that eternal destiny. Earlier tonight, we watched that video. And you know, ladies, I know a lot of you are dealing with things in your life, and you're wondering, when are they going to get fixed? And you know what? I don't know. And I don't know how God's going to work those destiny moments out for you. But I do know this. There is a destiny that we all have that is sure, for sure, and that's home. That is our heavenly home. That is our eternal home. But you know what? God works 
destiny that has eternal vision to it, even while he's working through our lives here. You know, for Joseph, it was so much. In verse 7 of chapter 45, if you want to skip back there, I'm not going to read it. But his preserving him alive was a bloodline for the gospel story to be birthed through him that affects eternity for every one of us. And as we dance with God, we got to let him whisper eternity into our ears so we don't stumble over our feet or get distracted by things here. And, and I, as I read through Scripture, I find that God beautifully intertwines heaven and earth in this dance. I, I want to show you a couple examples um, that I found tucked into Joseph's story that are just little things, but they were so life-giving to me. And I really hope they will encourage you as you try to look towards eternity with your life, but also you got to deal with stuff here and how you feel here and all that's going on. So this first one is about Joseph's father. You know, we saw his horrific grief when all that happened to Joseph, really, that his brothers did to him. The Bible says he couldn't be comforted. He mourned for, for many days. But, you know, if you go over to chapter 46, and again, I'm not going to read it, but just this last verse, verses 1 through 4 of what's on the screen, the last part, Joseph, Jacob's getting ready to go to Egypt. And, and he says, I will go down with you to Egypt. This is God speaking to him. And he says, I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. What he's saying to him is, you're not going to have to watch your son die again. You know, some of you have had to watch that happen. That hasn't been the way that God has met you. But I hope you see God's heart here. In the dance that he had with Jacob, he reached into his life in that way, and he healed a hurt. He, he did a work in his heart, and he let him see, Jacob, I see your pain that you've carried all these many years. But look at this. I, I would have missed this except for the Holy Spirit's urging me to dig into more about Shechem. See, Shechem was the place where Joseph's brothers were supposed to be on that fateful day at 17 when he went to look for his brothers when his father sent him out. Now, they weren't there, which is probably one of the reasons some of this happened because if they were at Shechem, it would have been close enough to home that they probably wouldn't have done what they had done. But they were over in Dothan, and so he went on further down and then never really saw his homeland again other than the time that he came back there for his father's funeral, which that wasn't really like going home. But the town of Shechem was in Canaan, and that's where Joseph's heart was. Even though he lived in Egypt all these years, his heart was in Canaan, and Shechem was in Canaan. And read with me at the end of Genesis 50, verses 24 through 26 will be up on the screen. But listen to what Joseph says here. He's about to die. And he says, it says in verse 25, Joseph made sure that the sons of Israel sweared, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. We get a window into Joseph's heart here. That's how I know that he never saw Egypt as his home. He wanted to be back in Canaan. Sure, he enjoyed being promoted and all the things that went with it, but there was that longing in his heart for his home that had been stolen away from him. God saw that longing that's a real part of his life here. Even though he was doing a destiny that had impact for eternity, God saw that longing in his heart, and God didn't forget about it. How do I know that? Go with me over to Joshua chapter 24. And while you're flipping, realize that a whole lot of stuff takes place in all the pages you're flipping through, okay? I'm going to read it to you, Joshua 24. It's the last part of Joshua, first part of verse 32. It says, Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem, in the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor. 
Some 440 years after Joseph died, he had already been in glory for a long, long time, the descendants of Joseph bury his bones in Shechem, that place where his brothers were supposed to have been on the day he went looking for them. Think of all the traveling those bones did. Moses had to get him out on, on that night when everything was in a flurry and all those million people were leaving Egypt. Can you imagine? Wait, I got to go get the bones, you know? And he goes to get the bones. Then they go through the Red Sea. And then they go through all the wilderness and all the stuff that happened with that. Then when the walls of Jericho come down, somebody's still going, got to get the bones. Get the bones. You get them through that. You get them through every single battle. And then they bury the bones in Shechem. God took his heart home. He wasn't even there. And God worked all that out. God kept reminding people all through 400 and some years, get those bones and you take them back to Shechem because he wanted Joseph to be able to look down from heaven from that eternal place and to see God cared about my heart and to just smile. And that's how God weaves eternal things with earthly things and we can know he works in our lives and he cares. If we, as we dance with God, if we can just lock eyes with him, it will help us so much. See, when you dance with somebody, you look in their eyes, right? What do you see in God's eyes when you dance with him? You will see eternity. You'll see eternity in his eyes. He'll take care of our hearts here. He'll take care of the things that matter to our hearts here. We can trust him. He's that good. But he knows the dance floor is a whole lot bigger than this world, ladies. So as we bring all this to a close tonight, we want to come into a moment where we can say yes to God's offer to dance with us. There are beautiful stories represented all over this room. This week, a lot of you, if you've been here, we gave you one of these bookmarks. If you're just here for the first time tonight, ask an usher on the way out. We'll be happy to share one with you too. But we've been writing down our dream, our disaster. And you're probably wondering, what should I write next to destiny? You, you might know some of your destiny already and you could write a description of it. Or you might just want to write the word, yes. Yes, God. I don't know what destiny is going to look like for me, even tomorrow or maybe 20 years from now, but I'm saying to you tonight, yes, that I want to dance with you. I pray that this week has been an encouragement to you, that Joseph's story has encouraged you. And I hope you'll say yes. A lot of times the pe reason people don't want to dance is because they don't want anybody watching them. You don't, want to be you don't want to be conspicuous, like everybody's watching you, like, you know, you might look silly. And I know that's true for me because I told you how traumatized I was by the blue dress people, you know. But I hope you'll say yes anyway because God has seen you in your blue feather dress. And we all have those moments when we're trying to be somebody that we're really not. He's seen you in your worst moments. He's seen you in your best moments. And everything in between, and he still wants to dance with you. Isn't that amazing? So I hope you'll say yes. Is there anybody in the room right now who wants to say, yes, God, I want to dance into destiny moments. I don't, stand up. If that's you, stand up right now. Just stand up. Don't stand up if you don't mean it, because he'll start twirling you around. But it's beautiful. He loves that. When all his daughters want to dance with him loves these yes answers, and that's the best answer we can give him. So we're going to start, we're going to actually have two moments of prayer tonight. And the first one is just going to be between you and God. Just enjoy God's presence and enjoy a dance with him. Stephanie's going to sing this song. You can just stay right there in your place. If you want to twirl around the house, it's fine with me. Just enjoy this. Let God dance with you. This destiny. 